Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Hi friends, this is Pastor Ken Bear. Hey, we have a treat for you today. We have a guest preacher. He's a friend of mine. His name is Daniel Staten. So give him a listen. So our sermon this morning is entitled, An Encouraging Start. And it comes from Colossians 1, verses 1 to 8. So we read in Colossians uh, 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So right away, as we're opening this book, uh, we're given helpful hints to understanding this book a little bit better. I'm sure all of you have probably written more than one or two letters. I know I've written a few letters in my time. When we do, there are certain ways that we write them to signal to the readers that this is the kind of document you're reading. When I get a letter from my Graham, it usually starts off with, Dear Daniel, and ends with, Love Graham. And when I see those, I don't think to myself, Oh, I'm about to read a poem. Let me get my mind ready for a poem. Or, Oh, I'm about to read a novel. Let me think about a fiction, fictional work. I'm in that sphere. No, I think to myself that this is a letter it's written like the start of a conversation between two people. My gram might be writing about something happening in her life, or she might be commenting about something happening in mine, or, or about something that's going on. I'm not going to read it like I read a poem or a novel or um, any other type of writing. The letter is written for a specific purpose and with a specific audience in mind. So the first question that we need to answer then, if this is a letter, is who is writing the letter to the Colossians? The answer to that is found in the very first word of the book. You don't get to hold, you're not hold into suspense for too long. Right away, first word, Paul. Paul is authoring this letter. So who is Paul? It includes a bit about himself in the title. Paul is an apostle. This is Paul the apostle. So he's writing to this church with authority. He has a responsibility to these churches to care for them and shepherd them. He's not just interjecting some thoughts or editorializing about this church. He's got a responsibility to them. He's writing to fulfill his uh, job to care and lead these churches. And Paul didn't just wake up one day and decide, you know, I feel like being an apostle. He didn't flip a coin or put it on his resume. Instead, notice in verse 1, it says that he's an apostle by the will of God. God commissioned him to be an apostle. He didn't just decide to push his way in. Jesus set him apart for this role. The authority that he has comes from Christ. And Timothy is also included in this letter as a source. Great. So the author's clear. We're good there. But we have another question to answer before we be, uh, continue. Who is this letter addressed to? What's the situation? Who are the people that Paul is communicating to? What, what, what's their life like? The answer to that comes right away in verse 2 to the saints and faithful brothers in Colossae. This letter is for the Christians at the church which is in the city of Colossae. And Paul calls them faithful brothers. Don't miss that. Paul calls them faithful brothers. Later, we're going to see why calling them that is important. We're going to see more about the church at Colossae, what pressures they're facing. I'd encourage you today to read through the letter of the Colossians. The nice thing is it's a short letter. It's 
It's pretty easy to read in one sitting, and you'll learn a little bit more about what's facing them. But it's worth noting that he starts off this letter right away by referencing, by using an encouraging tone and referencing them as brothers, faithful brothers. And lest we think that Paul just does that in every letter, he's just a generally nice guy, Paul's not afraid when a church is in a bad situation to use a little more sharper language. If you know the letter to the Galatians, he doesn't start off calling them faithful brothers, he starts off calling them fools. So it's interesting to note that here, he's calling the Colossian church faithful brothers. And the city of Colossae was a very prominent city in Asia Minor. Uh, that was an old name uh, for what the region we call Turkey today. So don't be confused by that. Asia Minor is what they called it then. Today we call Turkey. It, we call it the country of Turkey today. Same place. In that region, there, the, this city was prominent. It was home to people of a lot of different walks of life, a lot of different philosophies. There was a lot of different cultures represented in that city, a lot of different ways of thinking in that city. It was culturally rich. It was diverse. And while it had been a primary city in that region, the other surrounding cities of Laodicea and Hierapolis, Laodicea is referenced later in Revelation as one of the um, letters to the churches, those two cities were growing rapidly, and especially Laodicea was getting wealthy and its importance was growing, so Colossae is kind of being outpaced. It's a city in decline, in declining in its importance. So now we know who's writing this, who is receiving this letter, and we can now see what it says. The first word that Paul starts this letter with is thanksgiving. Uh, literally, the first word in the original is, I, thankful I am, is what he says to this church. Thank, thankful is the first thing he says. He's thankful for the church and encourages them by listing the ways that he's thankful for them and that he's encouraged by them in their faith. He says, beginning in verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since the day we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world and it's bearing fruit and increasing as it does also among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Paul is thankful for this church, and he's constantly, continuously praying for them. This is a church that Paul had never met face to face. I'm sure he would love to, but as by the time he's writing this, he's in prison. He hasn't met these people face to face. He hasn't been with them, but he's heard about them, and he's encouraged by them. And I got to hear about uh, Celebrate Seniors Months and months ago, from Pastor Ken, I got to hear updates, and I got to join in in praying for you, even though up until last week, I had never met you face to face. And it's really good to be here face to face with you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the work that Pastor Ken is doing here. So Paul is writing the letter to the Colossians for a purpose. The Colossians, as you see if you read on in the letter, are facing external pressures and heresies, external ways of thinking that are trying to get them to veer off their path. The pressure kind of boils down to, all right, Colossians, you got the gospel. Great. But if you, you're off to a good start, but if you really want to be serious in your faith, if you really want to get to that next level, if you really are actually serving Christ, uh, you need this, this extra thing, this special uh, something to reach the next level. They might be saying, you need to do these practices. These practices will get you to the next level. 
You need this special knowledge, which, oh, by the way, only comes from me, so you have to study from me. This is what these external pressures are pushing against them. Or they might say, you need these old traditions. If you, if you, do, if you do these, now you're a real Christian. So the Colossians might naturally tend to be self-conscious. This reminds me of when I was once assigned to uh, paint the rafters of an old, old, uh, beautiful church in Watertown, um, Boston, Massachusetts. And I was assisting a great guy, a great friend of mine, who was a painter who owned his own painting company. This guy wasn't just a professional painter, he owned a painting business. And I'm sitting next to him with two hours of painting experience. And as we're painting these scaffoldings up high, I don't love heights, but I'm, we're up there painting them. Uh, and as we're painting them, I'm starting to get critical of my abilities. M maybe I'm leaving brush strokes, or maybe, maybe I'm using too much paint and causing grips. What if I'm not using enough paint and it won't take? Am I painting too fast and I'm, gonna, I'm not giving true attention to the work that needs to be done? Am I painting too slow and I'm going to cause the project to lag behind? And on and on it goes, and my friend turned to me out of the blue who owned the painting company, and he says, hey, you're doing a great job. Looks good. Uh, I've got some few pointers for you, but it looks really good. If you, you know, if you were looking for work, I might even hire you. And just like that, I was instantly encouraged and went right back to focusing on the job that needed to be done. And that's what Paul's doing in his opening remarks here. The Colossians are discouraged by these voices around them, saying that they're not fully realized Christians, or they're not the spiritual elite yet or that they need more for their faith to be real. And so before anything else that Paul says, he says, I'm thankful for you. You guys are doing great. My prayers are full of thanksgiving for you. You have the gospel, Colossians. And not only that, I'm thrilled to, to tears that you are living out the gospel. What kind words, do you see that? What kind words to a discouraged church? The first thing that Paul affirms in the Colossian church is that they're practicing their faith because of the hope that they are clinging on to. And as a result of that, they're loving their neighbor and their fellow Christians. Their faith is centered on hope because of what's waiting for them in Jesus. They've been promised to inherit the kingdom of God, to co-rule with Jesus, to be united with Jesus who they long for forever be raised up on the last day and sharing in the eternal joy of God, our Father. And this hope isn't just for the Colossians. This is the hope for of anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. And our life in Jesus is just getting started. When you look at all that you've already done and accomplished in your life, when you look at all the mercy that Jesus has already given you, all the life that you have spent with him, when you compare that to, what, to the rest that's waiting for you, it's not just tacked on at the end. There's so much more ahead of you. In terms of speaking, the ho what hope teaches us, what hope in Christ teaches us, is that you have barely begun your life with Christ. And no wonder this produces thanksgiving and joy in us. No wonder we're thankful for what God has done for us and what God is doing for others, who he's bringing in and giving this hope. Continue to rest and rejoice in the hope that Jesus has given to you. And from this hope, the Colossians are loving their brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is the sign that the Spirit has worked in our hearts. If you're ever discouraged and you're wondering, has, has Christ truly worked in my hearts? One of the signs, one of the ways that we can see that is the love that we have for others and for other Christians. The care that we give, the fact that we bear their burdens, that we rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, and forgive them as Christ has forgiven us, as Jesus told us to do.
There's an old bluegrass song that I like to listen to. It's, it's not afraid to pull punches, so it can get a little, uh, little, little fiery, but I really like this song, and it kind of talks about this pretty well. And the song is called, You Don't Love God If You Don't Love Your Neighbor. And it goes on to say, if you gossip about him, if you never have mercy, if he gets into trouble and you don't try to help him, and the next line, they, they kind of pull from scripture pretty well. If he gets into trouble and you don't try to help him, then you don't love your neighbor. You don't love God. But if you are loving your neighbor, that's a sign of God working in your heart. That's a reason to be thankful and encouraged. Jesus, through his, the Holy Spirit's work, is making us look more like him. And if we look more like Christ, we'll love people the way Christ loves them. We'll sacrifice for them the way Christ sacrifices for his people. We'll care for them the way he does. We'll forgive them the way Christ forgives people, the way Christ forgives us. So Paul's saying, Colossians, you have faith, hope, and love. That's the core of what it means to be a Christian. He says that in another letter, that the greatest things are faith, hope, and love. And they have that. The next affirmation that Paul gives the church is that they're bearing fruit. They're bearing fruit and increasing just like the other churches in the area, just like the other churches around the world. And do you see how encouraging this would be for the Colossians? Instead of thinking that they're missing something, or they're weak, or they're lacking in their faith, Paul says they're right on track with the other churches in the area, with the other churches around the world. This is also encouraging because it reminds the Colossians that they're not isolated. They're not alone in their faith. Just like you are not alone. You are part of the church universal. And way back in Genesis, God gives the uh, command to mankind to be fruitful and multiply, to have kids fill the world. And, in this, and now, in the letter of Colossians, we see that that is being more fully realized in the gospel, going forward to all the world, bearing fruit, multiplying, increasing. New people are being born again um, and filling the earth with God's glory. The gospel is bearing fruit and increasing all over the world. The kingdom of God is expanding. And this calls us to remember the importance of missions work. Pray for the missionaries. Pray for those who are sacrificing to see the gospel continue to expand to all corners of the world, to all peoples and languages and tongues and tribes. Support them. Support them with uh, any donations that they might need. And support them with something that I think can often be overlooked but is so important a letter or a note to them to say that you're here for them, you're praying for them, asking how things are going over there. Missions work and ministry work is very difficult, and especially missions work can be isolating and lonely work. You don't have, you're leaving your family and everything familiar and you're in a different place, so send a letter, send a note to these missionaries saying that you're praying for them and you want to hear about how their lives are going as they work to see that the gospel increases and bears fruit all over the world. Well, so far in the short opening, the Colossians have already been encouraged and strengthened in their faith. This isn't a throwaway greeting for Paul. This gives them true encouragement and strengthening in their faith. And they're not lacking some special spiritual tool. In Paul's eyes, they're faithful brothers and sisters who are right on track with where they need to be. They're centered on following Christ out of love and are committed to the gospel. The last way that Paul encourages the church in this small section is that he gives a big thumbs up to their minister. Paul says Epaphras is a faithful minister to them. Epaphras was one who originally brought the gospel and evangelized them and probably planted the church there. 
And Paul says he's faithful. And now we know where Paul learned about this church. He didn't hear about it um, from a restaurant on his travels or some gossip. He heard about it from Epaphras, their minister, who came and told him of their church and told them of the problems that the church was facing. The church uh, facing cultural pressures and competing philosophies and heresies that are pushed on it. And they could naturally start to say, maybe we don't have as good of a start as we think. Maybe that they're, they were missing some kind of key piece to the puzzle. They could have started doubting their leaders from these pressures and saying, Epaphras, as well-meaning as he was, maybe he didn't know the whole story. Maybe he did give us only part of the gospel, like these others are saying. But these feelings would be immediately eliminated from hearing from the Apostle Paul himself a hearty recommendation of Epaphras. Epaphras is a faithful minister to you. They have all they need. He's filled them in on everything. He hasn't left anything out. He's given them Christ and the gospel. And that's the core of their lives. That's what they need. It was Epaphras that shared Jesus with them. It was Epaphras that shared the gospel that Jesus, although being fully God, took on flesh, lived a faithful life, died in our place for our sins, taking the punishment on them for them that we deserved, and rose again on the third day, offering life and salvation to all who believe. That was the gospel Epaphras preached that was... Uh, uh, that nothing else needed to be added to back then, and that's the gospel that's preached to you today. They had a great evangelist come to them, and they had ample reasons to be thankful for him. And that's why we pray for our leaders. Their task is not easy, but they are faithfully serving us and seeking to grow us in Christ's likeness and minister to us and give us the opportunity to worship God on a Sunday morning. So continue to pray for the area pastors. Continue to pray for pastors Chris and Greg and Father Trout, Pastor William, Pastor Tim, Pastor Susan, and Dr. Des. Pray for them that they would serve the people of God well, that they would do it out of a love for the people of God, that they would be equipped and encouraged. Uh, and pray for Pastor Ken as well, as he works week in and week out to minister to you. Um, we are grateful for him and the work that he's done, so pray for him that God would equip him and encourage him in his ministry to celebrate seniors. So the Colossians are in a tough place. There are discouragements and distractions all around them. Competing messages and spiritual gurus saying that they have uh, secret knowledge that they need to further on in their faith, and just as they might have started to doubt themselves or their leaders, Paul sends them this letter, this wonderful, encouraging pastoral letter opening with gentle encouragement and affirmation. They're doing great. They're on the right track. All they need is to stay focused on Jesus, to keep Jesus in the center of their minds, to not be pressured to veer off the path that God graciously revealed to them in the gospel that Epaphras preached. And that's what we need, to stay focused on Christ, to keep him centered in our minds and not be distracted or uh, pushed off the path by competing messages and philosophies. So would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.